the lead up to Christmas, which um, is a wonderful time of year in the church calendar. Um, we live in a world, don't we? A world that is that longs for peace. Our world is one in which there is so much hostility and division. Uh, that's not a new thing. That's always been true in human history. Uh, but if you've been following the news, you'll know that even in the last two years, things like the COVID-19 pandemic have, have heightened and exacerbated a lot of the divisions and tensions that we see in our world. Uh, peace is something all people long for, uh, but how do we get it? What's the answer to it? Well, many people point out that, that we live in an age of progress. Humanity is doing truly remarkable things, and so maybe world peace will come from advances in technology or innovation. I mean, think about things like driverless cars. Think about things like prosthetic limbs that you can move with your mind using uh, electrical signals that come from your mind. These aren't just futuristic possibilities. These are things that exist right now. Or think about things that I think we so easily take for granted, like our smartphone. They're amazing pieces of technology. Just think about it. I can take a funny uh, video of my cat and with the press of a button, millions around the world can enjoy it along with me. If, if, human, if humanity can do that, what else can't we do? Surely technology can bring about world peace, many people say. And yet, it doesn't take long when you actually look at the world around us to see that despite all our amazing advances, we're not getting much closer to world peace, are we? Did you know that the, the 20th century, the most complete full century that we have, was the bloodiest century in recorded human history? And the 21st century isn't making a great start either. Look at the tensions that are rising between China and Taiwan and so many other places. Look at what's going on with the Taliban. We've made so many amazing advances in technology, but it doesn't seem to be fixing the chaos in our world, does it? Now, why do you think that is? Not only have we failed to achieve world peace, but closer to home in our relationships and families and personal lives, we don't have peace either. Never mind it's on the world stage, but even in our inner lives, as technology has improved in, rapidly in the last 15 years, have anxiety and depression, are they becoming less common or more common? Way more common. We long for peace, and yet we can't find it. So why is it? Why, despite all the progress and the good things that we are doing, why can't we find true peace? Well, the reason is that the problem is not out there to be fixed. It's not something external, something that can be solved by technology or innovation or whatever else. The reason that all our progress can't bring true peace to our world is that the source, the cause of all the conflict and chaos in the world is in here. It's internal. It's in our hearts. It isn't out there that you can just find it and fix it. Uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, we've got a slide that might uh, come up for us. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian historian who lived through two world wars and after that suffered under the oppressive regime of the USSR. 
I was chatting to some people after this morning's service at 7.30am who were born in 1946, the very year after World War II ended. And we were so blessed here in Australia to then, after the World Wars, to have peace and prosperity, relevantly speaking. But imagine coming out of the World War and just coming into further oppression. That's what, that was his experience. He spent eight years imprisoned in horrific gulag camps and has seen more first-hand evil than you or I could imagine. But one of the things that he came to realise is that the source of all this conflict and evil was not something out there, but was within each human heart. He noticed that most of the people perpetrating this evil weren't some uh, evil masterminds that you might see like a James Bond villain. No, most of them were everyday people like you and me, just in very different circumstances. And this is what he he writes. Uh, We've got a slide coming up uh, for this. I've come to realize that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. Uh, We've got another slide. Let's read on. If only it were all so simple. If only there were evil people somewhere out there insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? He's right, isn't he? We are all capable of evil because the source is in here. That's why better technology can't fix it. In fact, new technology, while it has so many amazing benefits that we should be so grateful for, on another level, it simply gives us new ways to express the chaos and conflict and evil that's already in each of our hearts. That's precisely why the 20th century was so bloody. 500 years ago, you could only kill as many people as you could swing a sword at. In the 20th century, you could press a button and wipe out a whole city. Technology, as great as it is, won't solve the lack of peace in our hearts. Whether it's global conflicts or tensions in our marriages or personal battles that we face, There's something in each of our hearts that stops us from having peace. And while, if you're anything like me, we are quick to point out the evil coming from other people's hearts, we're quick to blame others and show why they are the cause of the problem. If we're honest, part of the blame lies with us too, doesn't it? There's selfishness and pride in my heart too. The line between good and evil runs through my heart. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me suggest that you don't know your own heart. Um, After uh, the service this morning, towards the end of the service, Kieran shared this great quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones that he read this morning. And this is is what it says. This is from Martin Lloyd-Jones. It says, You will never make yourself feel that you are a sinner. Because there is a mechanism in you, as a result of sin, that will always be defending you against every accusation. 
We are all very, on, on very good terms with ourselves, and we can always put up a good case for ourselves. Even if we try to make ourselves feel that we are sinners, we will never do it. There is only one way to know that we are sinners, and that is to have some dim, glimmering conception of God. And it's true, you know. We are, and this is me too, we're all in the same boat, we are very resistant to the idea that we are sinful. And yet it's precisely our sin that is blinding us to our own sinfulness. I can always find someone worse to compare myself to and say, oh, I'm sure I'm not perfect, but look at them. But it's when we see even a glimpse of God's character, His love and perfection, that it shows up the sinfulness in my own heart. I can't hide anymore, I can't pretend. The line between good and evil passes through every one of our hearts. Now, what does all this talk about peace have to do with Advent and with Christmas? Well, as you know, Christmas is all about celebrating the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago. And in Luke's Gospel, it's recorded uh, that the, the angel, we're looking at the cast of Christmas, and when that angel announced the birth of Jesus, that angel had something very important to say. And do you, know, do you know what the announcement was? Did they shout, it's a boy? Or Merry Christmas? No, ha- have a look in your Bibles with me. You've got it there on page 883. Open up Luke 2. Luke chapter 2. The angel's announcement. Uh, let's look at verses 13 to 14. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host, that's the angels of heaven, appeared with the angel, the first one who had appeared, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. On earth, peace, that's what they're announcing. In the birth of Jesus, they are saying that there is, going to be, that there is peace on earth. But we might wonder, peace on earth, that's a big claim. Jesus was born, this announcement was made 2,000 years ago. So where's this promised peace? Where is it? Let's be honest, if Christmas is about God announcing peace through the angel, has he kept that promise? We might wonder, if God is really all-powerful, and all-loving, why didn't he sweep in 2,000 years ago and destroy conflict and chaos and evil in this world at the source and bring about true and lasting peace once and for all? Surely that's what we'd all want, isn't it? Well, yes and no. Because there's a problem with that scenario, isn't there? God sweeping in and destroying conflict and chaos and evil at the source... Because as we've already seen, the source of all those bad things is in us. It's in our hearts. As Solzhenitsyn said, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? You see, that's the problem. If God simply came and destroyed every obstacle to peace, he'd have to wipe out us too, wouldn't he? He'd certainly have to wipe me out. Maybe you're a much better person than I am. 
But I know my heart. I know that despite my evil inclination, I know that despite my good intentions, I also have others that aren't good. Even though I want good for people, I know that as I look back on my life, I've caused so much hurt in the lives of others too. And if you think that you're any different, let me suggest that you don't know your own heart. That is every human being. We are all in that boat together. So we've got a bit of a problem, don't we? We want peace, and if that's what God is offering, we'll happily take him up on it. But how can that happen without us being wiped out in the process? Well, Christmas is God's solution. You see, that source of darkness and evil, that source of conflict that is in each of our hearts, the Bible's word for that is sin. We, we tend to think of, when we hear the word sin, we tend, tend to think of the bad things we do, you know, lying and cheating. That's, those are sins. But the Bible talks about sin as something much deeper, much more deeply rooted as the, the source from which all those individual acts flow. It's the source of all the, the discord and evil in our world. And Christmas is God sending Jesus to solve the problem of sin in our hearts. To give us peace with him now. And to pave the way so that one day when Jesus returns again, he can bring true world peace without having to wipe us out in the process. So when the angels declared... On earth, peace. They're just declaring peace on earth. They were being very serious. But the peace that they were announcing was not world peace. Not yet, anyway. Although that will come at Jesus' second coming. But through Jesus' first coming, they were announcing not world peace, but peace with God. Do you see? Do you notice it says, on earth, peace to who? To all people and nations, unconditionally. No, it's peace to those on whom his favour rests. Any person from any nation who would put their trust in Jesus receives peace with God. But perfect world peace where sin is destroyed will not come until Jesus' second coming. And the way that God did this, of course, is he sent Jesus to become a human being like us. To live the life that we couldn't live. To die the death that we should have died. That on the cross he was taking the penalty for our sin. So that when he rose from the dead three days later, he could triumph over it in victory. Christmas is God's solution to save us and give us peace with him. Now at this stage we might ask, is that Is this all really that necessary? Surely, it can often feel like, wouldn't it have been more important if God just gave us world peace straight away? Why do we need peace with God? Most people in our world would say, I don't really need peace with God. Him and I are already on pretty good terms. I mean, I know I'm not perfect. I'm only human. But I feel like my relationship with God is pretty peaceful. He can do his thing. I can do mine. I don't hate God. Surely that's good enough, isn't it? I just want to live the way, my life the way I want to live without Him. That seems pretty peaceful, doesn't it? 
But, but imagine for a moment um, a poor beggar living in England. They've been living for years on the streets, suffering through harsh English winters and living a very difficult life. But one day the Queen sends a limo to pick them up and bring them to Buckingham Palace. By royal decree from that day on, they get to live in her palace, sleep in her guest room, eat her food. And as you can imagine, it's the best the world has to offer. This person's life has been completely turned around. And then one day, the the Queen sends them an invitation to join her for a lavish banquet where they'll have a private audience with the Queen and get to know her. But the person ignores it. This happens on multiple occasions, but it soon becomes clear that the beggar really has no intention of having any kind of relationship with the Queen and is actually avoiding her. They want to enjoy her gifts, but want to have nothing to do with her. Now, that would seem a bit strange, wouldn't it? Not just strange, it would seem rude. Pretty wrong, actually, wouldn't it? The Queen has shown such amazing generosity and a desire to know this person, and yet she's just given the cold shoulder. Now, it's a bit of a silly scenario, isn't it? It's hard to picture that actually happening. And yet, that is how so many of us treat God, isn't it? He loves us. He created us. He formed us. We live in his world, eat his food, breathe his air. All these lavish gifts he has given us out of his love for us. But we want nothing to do with him. Or we put him in his corner on a Sunday and say, here you go, God. But the rest of my week, I'm going to live how I want to live it. We might think we've got nothing against God, but the fact is if we are ignoring him, we are doing something that is deeply wrong. But the good news of Christmas is that Jesus came to bring us peace with God, something we desperately, desperately need. If we turn to Jesus, God forgives us for ignoring him and trying to do things without him. If we come to Jesus... God reconciles us and gives us new hearts that love God and want to live for Him. Because of Advent, because of Jesus' first coming, we can have peace with God now. But friends, this doesn't happen automatically. You see, Christmas requires a response. If we choose to keep living apart from God, enjoying His gifts but ignoring Him, We are rejecting his offer of peace. And we're going to face his judgment. It's only when we turn to Jesus in trust that we can receive this free and gracious gift from God. Uh, You know, it's easy to sentimentalize the message of Christmas. Nice little nativity scenes with cows serenely smiling and soft lighting and sweet little baby Jesus. But in reality, Christmas is not sentimental. Jesus did not come to stay as a sweet little baby. No, think about what the message of Christmas really is. Let's have another look at the angel's announcement and see what they said about what Jesus has come to do. Have a look in your Bibles with me at Luke 2, verse 11. Have a look at this. This isn't sentimentality. Luke 2, 11, the angel declared... 
Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now notice two things that this says about Jesus. First, it says that he's saviour. He saves us from our deep heart problem of sin. He saves us so that we can have peace with God. That's a pretty nice message. I mean, who wouldn't want to accept that? But that's not all. That's only the first thing. The second thing that the angel announces is that he is Lord. And that's what Messiah simply means. It means God's anointed king. He's not just a savior or a doctor who will help fix my problems, but he's a king who I I owe my whole allegiance and obedience to. He's ruler of the universe. And the thing is, Jesus being saviour and Jesus being Lord, those are a package deal. We can't have one without the other. We can't treat Jesus like, a, like Santa Claus. Here, I'll take this gift. Sweet, you've saved my, solved my problems. Now I continue to ignore you and live how I want to live. To accept Jesus as saviour is to receive him also as our Lord and King. To let him set the agenda and the priorities in our lives. Not just on Sunday, but in all of life. Now, if you're anything like me, it's not an easy thing to do. To relinquish control over our own lives and submit it to Jesus. And say, Jesus, my life is to be lived how you want me to live. I'm going to shape my life around you. That's not an easy thing to do. But as we do, And only as we do, as we come to Jesus with open hands, that is when we find true and lasting peace with God. And it's only through that that we can look forward to perfect world peace when he comes again. I don't know if you have a favourite Christmas carol, but for me, it's pretty hard to beat O Holy Night. It's a great song. Uh, Not just uh, amazing melody, I find it so moving, uh, but also the lyrics have such depth to them. uh, In the third verse, it talks about both the the peace we can experience now, but also the the peace we'll experience one day through Jesus' second coming. Uh, I've got the lyrics up on the screen for you. In the third verse, talking about Jesus, it says, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother. It's talking about how he humbled himself as a servant. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. You see, one day all oppression shall cease. All conflict and chaos and war and famine and relational breakdown, one day when Jesus comes again, all of that will cease. At Jesus' second coming, we will experience true peace beyond what we can now imagine. But not yet. Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago doesn't mean peace has already come on a world stage. But it is God's announcement that we can have peace with God now. That he has stepped into human history to solve the problem of sin in our hearts. Our lack of peace right at the source through Jesus. And in the meantime, 
we get the privilege and joy of acting as God's agents of peace in this broken world. Notice those lines. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. And I was so encouraged this morning, even coming to join you as a guest, to get a glimpse of many of the ways that you guys are already doing that here at St. Philip's. Raising $7,000 for relief of the poor and those in prison. Uh, The different initiatives that you're doing, the, the, the prayer meeting coming up to pray for the persecuted church people who are struggling and and facing conflict in this life. To see just on one Sunday all these different ways that you together as a church body are acting as God's agents of peace in this broken world, seeking to love others just as Jesus has loved you. I was so encouraged to see that. And so this Christmas, this Advent, as we fix our eyes on Jesus coming 2,000 years ago, And he's coming uh, still to come. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and all that he has done for us. And as we're reminded of Jesus' peace that he holds out to us, let's do what we can by his power, by his spirit, to show that same love to others. Let's pray for God's help in doing just that. Almighty Father, you are a good and gracious King. Father, we confess that in so many ways in our lives, we have turned away from you. Father, we confess that even in our own hearts, we find so many inclinations to turn away from you, to ignore you, and to harm others. Thank you that through Jesus, you have made a way for us to be forgiven and reconciled and have peace with you now. Help us not to take that amazing gift for granted. But Father, we know that we live in a world uh, that is still broken and under the curse of sin. And so as we look forward to the day when Jesus will return to do away with sin once and for all, help us to be your instruments of peace and blessing in this world. Give us your strength. Fix our eyes on Jesus so that we can love others as he has loved us and be his agents of peace. And we pray this in his powerful name. Amen.